Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Impact the World, where my guest is Salvador Santana. Salvador has been creating music since he was little, and over the last couple of decades, he has performed musically on stages and also on recordings. And he brings a ton of consciousness to his music as a spoken word artist and an instrumentalist. But music runs in his family. His father, the celebrated guitarist Carlos Santana, is just one of his influences. In this conversation, I learn not just about the incredible imprint that his grandfathers, who were both celebrated musicians in their own right, have made on his life, but also the lineage from his mother and his grandmothers, and really how he has become what I experience as a very conscious spiritual force. He has a lot of humility. He is really wanting to be the change in the world. And he shares a great story around relax, believe and enjoy. Some wisdom that he learned from a friend that still imprints everything he does. So enjoy today's conversation with Salvador Santana. As ever, in the show notes, you will find all links to Salvador's various work, including his brand new company, Via. And if you are a fan of this show, it really supports us as an independent show. If you hit subscribe on YouTube, if you're watching, or if you're listening to subscribe, rate and review us over at Apple Podcasts. But for now, here is Salvador Santana, and we hope you enjoy. Salvador, thank you for being here with us and uh, for all that you do in the world, because it's so interesting in taking a look at your history and the work that you've done and the work that you do now. It's a very varied palette, and we're going to talk a little bit about all of it. But, you know, I've been listening a lot in the last couple of days to Fantasy Reality, which was your last full length release. Yeah. And um, one of the things I really love about your music is you've got conscious lyrics with hip-hop spoken word and deep musicality and one of the things I I find with a lot of the hip-hop I hear I love the music if the words were different like sometimes the the words can be very edgy or very uh, kind, uh, kind of a certain vibe yeah. but what I love listening to your stuff is just the positivity in the lyrics and uh, all the all the good vibes that you want to bring so Thank is you. that something that you developed later in life with spoken word and that kind of lyrical music? Because I know you've been in music since you were little. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, Lee, for having me here. I'm just honored and grateful to be here, first and foremost. Um, yeah, I, spoken word and lyrics, hip hop, uh, that entire genre of being able to express yourself rhythmically and vocally, uh, that whole art form has been in my life man, since I can remember, you know, um, growing up in San Francisco Bay Area in the, you know, 80s and 90s especially, um, hip hop was definitely everywhere, you know, and I was kind of young to un understand exactly everything that was going on, but I couldn't not listen to it and I couldn't not hear 
the rhythms that, like you said, were coming from the beats and the instrumentals, the stuff that makes you want to nod your head, um, as well as the lyrics that the different artists and, um, you know, uh, vocalists and spoken word artists were saying and talking about. Um, like, like Tupac for me was huge, and especially him being from the Bay Area. Um, man, uh, Most Def, Taleb Kweli, Common Sense, mm -hmm. um, uh, man, Hieroglyphics, Living Legends, uh, Looney's E40. Now I'm getting into the whole Bay Area, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bay Area vibe. But man, like it's it, it it's always been there, Lee. And um, even listening to like cats that don't even really affiliate themselves with hip hop, they're strictly spoken more like a Saul Williams mm. or you know somebody like you said. It has to not only be um, the instruments and the instrumentals don't only just have to make your head nod. You know, you feel the vibe, you feel the rhythm, but like you said, the lyrics have to make you think uh, and have to make you feel something. You yeah. know, you have to really feel something. And that for me is what drew me into hip hop uh, and just the idea of putting words in rhythm with meaning uh, underneath or combined with um, music, you know, and a really amazing beat or an instrumental. A bed is what I call it, you know, and then you can just allow the spoken word uh, or the words themselves to just kind of dance on this bed, if you will. And so I've, I've been, I've been involved in, with that or in love with that, rather, uh, man, since I can remember. So. Well, it, it kind of makes sense hearing you describe it that way because, of course, your main instruments uh, from from when you were younger it was drums and keys and piano, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's kind of a really interesting fusion. Um, Tell us about how, I mean, I know music has been part of your life because you come from uh, a musical family, like, a, and generations of music. Just a little. Just, just a little, little bit. bit. So, yeah, so you, your, your dad, Carlos Santana, um, is he 10-time Grammy-winning, world-celebrate, you know, kind of the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we... Something like that. Last time, last time I checked, he just calls himself the Mexican, you know, right. or whatever. But, and for me, he's just dad. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, and and to speak on that, you know, the family, it, uh, for me, it, it goes deeper than just my father. Both my grandfathers That's were right. musicians. Um, my maternal grandfather, Saunders King, incredible um, blues guitarist, jazz guitarist as well, um, singer, uh, preacher in the gospel, and was a big band leader and was performing and working during a time, you know, being African American. Um, you know, performing and trying to play music and be as creative as he was and incredible and, and trailblazing as he was, um, you know, it was hard. Segregation, racism. Yeah. Uh, there was a, I think there was a story of my grandfather, Saunders King, where he uh, was asked to perform at this spot in um, Tennessee or somewhere down there. And the promoter said he would only be able to play if they could put a rope uh, down the, um, you know, the dance floor so that the whites and the Wow. The blacks could, yeah, and my grandfather was like, nah, then I'm not playing. You Good know? for your grandfather. And so, you know, think, sto hearing stories like that, and oh, and my other grandfather, uh, Don Jose um, Santana, El Faro, uh, mariachi music, uh, violinist, mariachi band leader, um, incredible singer. I mean, just, <laughs> my dad jokes all the time, and, and he says that uh, people come up to him all the time and tell, yeah, they say my dad's great and everything, but they just love my grandfather. They just loved Don Jose and oh Don Jose when he would sing all these songs and he would sing at the La Cantina or all these spots like 
those, it just reminds me of how impactful my grandfathers were with their music and with their art, uh, and just how it's, it's in my, it's in my blood, man. It's in, it's in the family lineage. It's, it's just in my DNA. It's who we are. It's who I am. And I know it's who my son is going to be too, as he gets yeah. older and everything. So, um, yeah, uh, family lineage, music. So when you were little, was yeah. that was? I mean, I'm guessing that was just in in all the rooms you were in, and and is that how you you found your way into your own musicality? Oh, you know, I don't, I don't think there was a particular like defining moment. I think it was more just the consistency of being in a household where music was constantly playing or being discussed, or you know, my father would uh, sometimes he would. I mean, the best education I got, I think, was when I was little, my dad would sit me down and he would put on these videos, <laughs> beta, old school, I'm just dating myself right now, Betamax. Betamax, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> old school, and I even like VHS, like little VHS, yeah. Betamax of um, Miles Davis, Bob Marley, like these live at the time bootleg performances, and he would just sit there, watch the video, and he would jam to it, and I'd sit there with either my percussion instruments or little tambourine or a little whatever, or I just sit and just watch and just absorb. And I think it was really just those moments of continuously just absorbing mm. as much of what was being offered. Um, I think that's what shaped me, my musicality, um, and just kind of emphasizing who I am and who I've always been. Uh, and I'm just grateful that my folks and my family and everybody that, uh, that was you know, in my life from early on up till now has always encouraged me to continue to do that. So I'm super grateful for that. Awesome. And you, I know that you were on stage both with your dad and then also with your own band and mm -hmm. various bands that you've had over the years. Yeah. So what is, what is that experience like for you as being, you know, one of the conductors on a stage for this group prayer experience of music. I mean, I know we, we're talking about it a year and a half after we, you know, most people haven't been able to go to live music right, concerts, right. but I'm wondering the spiritual experience of that for you, what, it, what, is, that, what is that like? It's really hard to describe. Um, I've, I've, been, I've been trying to describe it for years. I think it's like what a lot of people say, it's, it's, it's therapeutic, uh, it's a rush, of course, performing on stage and, you know, whether it's, for me, my whole mindset is whether it's, you know, five, 15, 50, 500, 5,000, it keeps going on and on. I've, it's been instilled in me from, from day one, from my father and all the artists and um, mentors that he's had over the years to, it's been instilled in me to bring 150% yeah. on stage with everything you got, you know, not, not play like there's no tomorrow, literally, but yeah, in a way, kind of put yourself in that mindset, like this is, the, this is the last opportunity you have, so give everything you got, leave it all out there. And most importantly, uh, something that a uh, good friend of mine, he just recently passed away, um, 92 years old, hmm. amazing life. Um, we used to play basketball together, even at 90, 91, during the, the pandemic and everything, he would invite me out to go down to the local park and we'd just go and shoot some hoops and play basketball. It was really cool. And there was one day where I was just shooting and I was just, you know, getting into the groove of things. And uh, he looked at me, he was like, you need to relax. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? I'm shooting, the ball's going in. He's like, no, your body language, you're too stiff. You need to relax. When you relax, you can do so much more. Hmm. So relax. And then he had a hat on that said believe. So he said, relax believe and enjoy. And I go, 
whoa, Mr. Kurt, you just gave me, one, like I get goosebumps just talking about I was like, you, you just gave me one of the keys to life. Like, yeah. you just gave me the key to life, literally. And he's like, one of them. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man, don't, <laughs> don't do that to me. But that's what you gotta do too when you're performing or mm. even in this moment, whatever you're doing, there's a tempo, there's a rhythm, uh, and there's an energy. And as long as that energy is relaxed and it's comfortable, you can still be intense. You can still handle it with a, with a, with a level of intensity, but of passion. Uh, but as long as you're relaxed, man, you can, as an artist, you feel like you can do whatever you want. You yeah. know? And for me, along with that rush and along with that um, confidence, not arrogance, with that confidence, man, it's, it, like I said, <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. The enjoyment and seeing the, the looks on people's faces when you know, you sing a note or you perform something and you can see how the impact on their face. I've, I've seen, I've been, a, I've gotten to perform on stage and witness audience members laugh, cry, uh, and, you know, show all sorts of different types of expression, enthusiasm, all at the same time, mm. you know? So for me, Lee, like just, this is why we do what we do. This is what I, why I do what I do is to remind people, uh, to awaken their own uh, inner light and their own inner energy uh, and their own, just that connection with themselves. Because yeah. we tend to really lose that. Like you said, pandemic, um, life itself, we, get, we just get so busy with certain things, we forget to really like just, uh, you know, just checking with ourselves sometimes. And yeah. I think what better way to do that than through art and through music and performance and what have you, so. So true. And, and it's interesting, you, you know, I know in recent years you've actually been scoring for film and television. Yeah. And I've always, you know, I've always loved uh, soundtracks. And, and I think before I understood why, it was because they were always the emotional movement and the emotional connector for me in, in television or film. Absolutely. And so it's interesting now that you're able to bring that to a medium that I think probably a lot of us have seen more of in the last year and a half than ever before because it's been the one kind of source of, you know, storytelling or entertainment in that way. Yeah, yeah, you know, like you said, since the pandemic has started, there's I've definitely, one of the bummers has been, you know, performing less. Um, I've had opportunities to perform and obviously doing it um, safely and, you know, mm. uh, consciously and just being mindful of everything that's still out there. But, but again, like what uh, Mr. Kurt said, you know, don't forget to relax, believe and enjoy. You know, we can still do that in the midst of everything as, as we navigate, as we continue to navigate through all this. Um, but also one of the blessings is like you said, we just, we just adapt, you know, yeah. we, don't, we don't turn over and submit and just admit defeat or what have you. Like in my DNA and just my family and how, what they've taught me and seeing everything that they've gone through not seeing but hearing a lot of the stories and sometimes witnessing a lot of what they've gone through like it just reminds me like yo we we just keep moving forward you know? totally and with that said during a pandemic there's opportunities for me to there were opportunities that came on my desk to be able to just start you know little scoring here and there for commercials then for um a little indie film here and then um had an opportunity to uh score this super awesome film called uh, pink opaque actually mm. uh just came out it's on amazon everyone get it. if you get a chance check it out pink opaque yeah uh and it's starring uh, elijah booth who um, was in legion i believe and uh i got affiliated with it because of my good homie uh daniel chaffin we went to cal arts together uh -huh. we went to college together one of the first 
people I met um, at CalArts in college, and we stayed connected all these years. And just one day out of the blue, he hit me up on, <laughs> on old school. I don't even think people use Facebook anymore. On, he just hit me up on Facebook. I never go on there. And just something told me to go on there one day, check my messages. He hit me up, and it was so good to hear from him. And next thing I know, uh, he invited me to uh, start scoring a film that he, be, he became associate producer on. Great. So next thing, it's, that's, that's what I mean. We just, we just adapt, we keep moving forward, we appreciate and we honor the, the opportunities that are here. Um, and is well. that quite intuitive for you? So when you're scoring the movie, is it, or the, or the TV show, mm -hmm. is, it, is, it, is it a very intuitive process? Are you trying to fit the story that you've been given a brief of, or is it very much you're watching the image and you're just feeling what needs to be felt as you're composing? It's definitely more of the, the of what you described yeah. the second time, definitely more of just watching, uh, listening, observing, seeing the movement of the uh, characters or just the movement of whatever's going on visually. You just want to match that. Um, and depending on who you're working with, there's some uh, directors or producers or people that, and look, I'm an artist. We, I think we all have this sometimes. I try not to use the word suffer, but I think we all have this sometimes where we get demo-itis right. once we hear uh, or you know, once we put a uh, template music in there, then it's like, oh, we hear that we become married to it, mm -hmm. you know? So some, some directors and producers, they got something in their head and they want me to recreate that. So nobody's got to pay for rights or anything to use the original songs. Um, or sometimes I'll work with some producers or directors and they just give me a blank canvas, you know, mm -hmm. uh, musically. They have the visuals and everything, but it's like watching a movie on mute. Mm -hmm. And then you have to kind of uh, produce what the artist, what I'm hearing in my head, you know? Um, and with that, for me, the creative process for that requires a lot of patience because I have so many ideas going on uh, and it's my job to make sure that I have the uh, patience and the presence of mind to be able to hone in and capture all about all those ideas, honor all those ideas. And then once I, you know, mess with them or tinker with them, then I'll start doing the whole edit process of like, oh, this was a cool idea then, but ah, it's not really working right now, you know, kind of thing. Right. Or, hey, you know what, that was cool. I threw that away. Actually, no, that's cool. Let me throw that back in there, you know. Just kind of each, each project is different, and I think that's what's, so, that's what's so cool. Just like children or just like people, individuals, you know, we all, we're all human, but we all have these individual unique qualities, and I think it's the same thing when you're, when you're scoring. Each project is different, so I try to come at it with the same mindset, but then also honor that the individuality for each project. Yeah. And another thing that you have gone into in the last couple of years that I think is is a very emerging field at the moment is is the field of cannabis. Yeah. And, and one of the things I found most interesting about your company, so your company is Via. Yes. I mean, there are a couple of different things about it. Number one, the way you run the company culture and the ethos of the company is yep. one thing. Um, but something you said really struck me. You talked about um, when you were younger, you were around cannabis use and it was just normalized for you because of the artists, the celebrities that you said you were around. And then as you got a bit older, your eyes were opened to the amount of injustices that, yeah. were, that were going on around it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, whatever you can share about that would be great because when I, when I heard you talk about that, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. For any for anyone who is new to this, it might be interesting to to learn about it. Thank you for bringing all that up, Lee. Yeah, absolutely. And and cannabis, first and foremost, has always been an interest and a passion of mine. I think 
I think it just kind of goes hand in hand with with music and right. with artists and all that kind of stuff, you know. Or there's at least the opportunity for it to go hand in hand. Um, and yeah, you're right. For me, at a young age, maybe it's because of the household I was in, the the artists that were around, the groups of musicians, the time period, uh, the location. Grow, growing up again in the San Francisco Bay Area, I think just a combination of all those things, and then also too just. I guess again, just having, like you were saying before, the elders or the um, the adults uh, in my life at that time too, and s still now, never really, uh, you know, introduced or or um, showed me that cannabis was like taboo or that it was mm. bad, that it was the boogeyman, it was something that you need to fear, that was something, you know, even especially during the '80s and the '90s when there was that Dare program and trying to keep everybody away from that stuff, even though crack was all over the streets. And mm -hmm. they would show a D.A.R.E. commercial and then they'd show a Budweiser commercial right after that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So, but like, beyond that, it was never, like you said, it was, it wasn't even just that it was normalized, because what's normal yeah. nowadays? It was yeah, more, yeah, yeah. it was just like, yo, like it's no different than um, having someone sitting down just having a beer. But that's what a really you. good and, point. And that's something I didn't understand until I was kind of in my 20s when someone said to me, well, isn't it interesting that, you know, all of these people are going to jail for really minimal cannabis offenses. Right. And over here, you've got alcohol-related sure. incidents, um, abuses, all kinds of stuff. Why Why is one yeah. used We're... to criminalize and the other not? And that, that was the first time that something clicked in my mind around the, 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 the paradox of it. Absolutely. And I, I can't say again that there was a defining moment, but like you, I had one of those aha, like, what the heck, where's, what the heck is going on? And why is this blatant hypocrisy hmm. not being addressed like it should be being addressed, hmm. you know? Um, and so for me, again, like whether it's cannabis use or just uh, in the, the business of the industry, I felt like I've always uh, surrounded myself and always have been around people that were not just pro cannabis and advocates of uh, the plant and the industry before and now it's starting to become legalized. Uh, but just, like you said, understanding the fact that, I guess for me, I really just always honored and respected and viewed the plant as, and cannabis as more of a healing and medicinal mm. opportunity um, and way of life. Um, and that's where I thought, like you, that's where I was just like, I don't understand how people are cool with drunk driving over here, but then if somebody lights up a joint, it's like, red flags and you know like all of yeah. a sudden like the sirens are going off and everyone's tripping out like it just it just never made sense to me so to answer your question ever at a young age i remember telling myself if i was to ever get involved in the cannabis industry in any way shape or form legal or not i mean when yeah. i was younger legalization was was still just like a thought you know yeah. Or, yeah. or an idea yeah. it wasn't you know like it is now but i just told myself i'd want to I want to do something like you guys, impact the world. I want to, I want to be pro-change. I want to rearrange, help rearrange the narrative and the, and the views and the perspectives on the plan itself. And also too, like the decriminalization of it as well, especially with, you know, black and brown women, LGBTQ, you know, it's, it, we can all get a piece, you know what I'm saying? And, and what I mean by that is to make, something like the cannabis industry of all the things it doesn't have to be so like white corporate yeah. and what have you and make it more of what i've always seen it as and because i was 
when I was younger, I got to hang around people that were, were part of this, which was more community, more social equity, mm -hmm. more building each other up and, and let's all do this together and we can all get a seat at the table rather than trying to cut each other out and what have you. So that's what I've been aligning myself with. And I'm just so grateful that between myself, uh, my CMO, Vincenzo Carano, the Italian stallion is what I call him. He's been holding everything down for me. And together we make a great team, plus um, our cultivator, um, Deji, as well, um, Simmons up in Oakland, California, um, holding it down between us, us three and a couple of others. But between us three, man, we've, we've been making some. What my grandfather said, uh, Saunders King, we're all here to make spiritual traction. Mm -hmm. And right now, Vaya is, is making some spiritual traction. And for that, I'm super grateful. And who would have thought, man, that during a pandemic, <laughs> I would have thought it'd be a great idea to, to start a cannabis business and it's working and people are liking it and digging it. And it just makes me really happy. And but I, I love that because I, I feel like so many people in this past 18 months have done things they didn't expect or wouldn't have done otherwise. So you, you're just another testament I to am. that story. <laughs> um, no better time than yeah. now, right? You know? What has surprised you about being involved in running a company? Like, have there been any learning lessons that you weren't expecting? Because I think going into something like this, there's all kinds of fears or hopes or dreams we can have, but what has surprised you about the reality of running a company like this? That's a great question. Man, there's, there's a lot of things. First and foremost, it's just the, the, it's not a surprise, but it's more like, oh man, I didn't realize how much you have to keep up with mm. in the cannabis. And what I mean by that is, the rules, the regulations, the, oh, it's not legal to, oh, now it's legal to do that. Let's right. hop on it. Like, you know, I've heard this. <laughs> like, I've heard this from a friend know, who it, works in it too. Yeah. You, just, you just have to be ready and stay ready, I guess, kind of yeah. thing. Learn as much as you can. And then there's times where you got to learn something. And being still as being a new parent, you know, my son just turned uh, three. Uh, you learn something and then you learn it, you learn it, you do it for routine. And then you get to a certain point where you got to forget that. You got to move on to something else. And that's kind of another thing too, where there's these challenges and these surprises. Um, but these are great challenges. These are great opportunities, you know, for myself to just be in this position to, to just do this, to be, um, I'm not a boss, man. I'm a leader, you know, to, yeah. to, be, a, to be a leader of a company and uh, to be participating in this movement of, again, rearranging the narrative of the overall perception of the plant. Because for me, that's why I wanted to start Vi in the first place was, again, to honor, look, the world that we live, she's, you know, Mother Earth, you know, the plant itself, Mary Jane, she's feminine, you know. I feel like it's all just comes back to this really incredible feminine empowerment, you know, and uh, I wanted to honor that, be mindful of that, teach others that aren't aware and then remind others that once knew but maybe forgot a little bit like we all sometimes do. And um, just bring it back to the whole idea of these, and uh, these, this wisdoms and philosophies that our ancestors had and practiced and did uh, and combining that with, you know, modern medicine and science and the information we have now. Um, and that's what we're doing with VIA. And again, the challenge is uh, the enjoyment each and every time, I will say this, outweigh the challenges. For me, at the end of the day, as long as, this, as long as you can end each sentence with it's worth it, then it's not really a challenge for me. It's more just like, hey, let's, let's go for it, let's get it, you know, kind of thing. So overall, it's, 
it's been like that for me, other than just the constant learning. <laughs> All this information, rules, regulations, fill out these applications, I don't know what this means, you know, kind of. Yeah. Other than that type of, and I was never really like good at test taking or studying for tests and stuff like that. So, you know, that stuff just kind of is extra challenging for me. But other than that, these are great challenges for me and I'm grateful for them. Well, I love the metaphor you made, like, because it is true, a growing business and a growing child are kind of the same thing, as in, you know, you, you, get, you, get, you get a system down and then the child is older and the system changes, yes. or with the business too, you get it down and then something changes or grows or happens in the world and you have to, you you have to kind of start all over again. Exactly, you can't yeah. get complacent, you really can't. Uh, and that's a good thing though, it keeps me on my toes. Again, I've been playing basketball, boxing more, my son's teaching me to, man, you gotta keep up because this, this boy has energy for days, man. So I just, <laughs> I, just gotta, I just gotta keep up. And everything I do is for him and everything I do is to remind him and, and uh, honor those that work so hard to you know, provide the life that I could live and that my son could live and everything. And for me, that's really what it boils down to is, and that's why every morning we get up, I get my son, I try, I try, my ritual is I try to get up every, every morning about an hour before my son does, it never happens. But right. I try and right. you know, I'll go in to make a little coffee uh, or tea, uh, depending on if I'm doing vocals or not. <clears throat> go into the studio, which is you know, in the garage, the kitchen, outdoor garage. And uh, I just listen to some music, vibe out to some Herbie, mm -hmm. Herbie Hancock being a keyboard mm -hmm. player. Herbie is, that's my dude. I can go on and on for days about you know, Herbie, Keith Jarrett, McCoy Tyner, um, Chick Corea. I can go on and on, but I won't bore y'all. Uh, but I'll, I'll listen to stuff like that for inspiration, I'll maybe work on something I was working on the night before, uh, create high and then next morning edit sober. And you know, that'll be a surprise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes mm -hmm. you mentioned surprises, that's a surprise. Sometimes I'll be listening, I'll be like, Man, what was I thinking? I think I had a little too much Vaya last night, you know? <laughs> or sometimes I'm like, man, that was cool. I didn't have enough. I need to have some more, you know? <laughs> it just depends. And that's my ritual. I'll get up and I'll just try to just set the tone for the rest of the day, enjoy music or create a little bit. And then I'll be in the right mindset to get my son up and we can do our little gratitude. Uh, it's not a prayer, but just a little affirmation, a little gratitude mm. thing that we say every morning, just thanking the creator for this beautiful day, every day with this this beautiful boy is the best day ever, and we want to share that with everybody else. And we're just grateful for this for another glorious day. That's really what it comes down to. You know, it's funny, Salvador, because I think because we met a few months ago, and I feels so like forever. It does. It, I mean, maybe it was. <laughs> oh God, who knows? Maybe it was six months ago. Now I don't know, but I I feel one of the things that has struck me the most with you, uh, just as a, as a person and as a being, and then now hearing you talk about your son in the way you're talking about your son. I don't know if I've met somebody who has such an active embodiment of legacy. Oh. Uh, you know, and I also know your mom is a complete badass. Like she's doing, <laughs> you know, and she's this incredible advocate. She and is. she, yeah, I mean, even just going and having a look at her website uh, is, is a whole other world. Yeah. So I look at all of these figures that you've mentioned who are, you know, your elders or the friends who are your elders that yeah. you were mentioning, your 92-year-old mentors, friend. Mentors, yeah, mentors, mentors, inspiration, yeah. But I, I, really feel, I really feel that with you. And, you and you talk about it and you talk to it and then now your son. And it's interesting because when I first looked at the VIA website, um, you know, you've packaged the product beautifully and you talk about the spiritual nature oh, of the you. product. But what really hit me was when you go and look at your company mission yes. and your ethos and how 
how advocacy and inclusion and diversity and so much is woven into the uh, the website's energy and intent, which I think is huge. But thank you. You know, have you have you had that in you since childhood? And I'm curious how many other members of your family are just like you around that, or are, are you are you kind of you know a bit more unique in that? shamanic way of holding lineage in your family's group? Wow, wow. It's a hard, it's a big question. No, no, it's a, it's I'm just curious because it's, it's so imprinted on you as a person. I'm like, is this just you or is this how everyone in that family came out the, came out the box? Man, that's a great question. Um, and thank you for that. I, it's funny, I never, I honor that. I just never really viewed it that way. I guess for me, I'm just, it's just the one word that comes to mind when you were saying all that is just authenticity. Mm. I'm just being authentic. I'm just, I'm just being not only true to myself, but being true to, again, those that, you know, I was raised by, I was raised by really, really strong women uh, mm. in my family, really, really strong women. My, both my grandmothers, my mom, like you said, total badass, but in a spiritual way, spiritual yeah. badass, do a little, that's her, um, her website, her yes. organization. And that's, that's what was instilled in me, uh, not just from the, my grandmothers and my mom and my aunties and all the strong women in my life or in my family and in my life. Uh, but just being authentic, uh, having, uh, again, an incredible sense of enjoyment in what we do. And then also that enjoyment of being of service to others, uh, especially those that are in need and deserve. You know, that's for me where not only the passion comes from, but it's just I don't know, you put a fish in water and you just watch it swim. It's kind of one of those things. It just feels natural. So that's one of those things where I want to just continue to instill in, in my son and the, uh, you know, this, this current and future generation that we have uh, on deck and currently right now. Um, and we see a lot of them from the, I don't want to mess up her name, the Greta Thunbergs mm -hmm. of the world um, and all these young activists. You know, they're just... Man, inspiration is, is, is everywhere. I think you asked a question earlier about just wh where the music and creative inspiration comes from. And it can, it can come from anywhere, yeah. you know? And I think that's the other thing too, is the, the as long as there's that uh, consistent honoring of those that came before me and the family, and like you said, the lineage, not even really just the lineage, but just the family history and just who we are, the authenticity of who we are and the unique qualities that make up all of us. I can't, I can't speak for, for the rest of my family, but I know that, look, we're all cut from the same cloth, you know? Yeah. So I think everything we do, there's a passion and a mission behind it. And like you said, you know, for Via, my cannabis company, as well as um, my music and creative art and expression, you know, I'm, I'm always about diversity, of course, you know, but for me, the bigger word is equality. Yeah. You know, that's really what it is for me, man, you know? I guess it came from, there wasn't again another or any particular defining moment, but I do remember a couple of times, um, even like just, we all were like to a point being bullied in school, mm -hmm. you know, just cause kids are mean, you know, yeah. what have you. Just those times where I was like, man, why is, why are people picking on me and it's so unfair. And then as I got older, like you said, the, I started seeing in different, not, you know, living, but seeing and witnessing observing other injustices on a more adult level. And I was just like, man, if I feel this way about 
how I feel about people making me feel that I can only imagine what somebody, somebody getting locked up for a dime bag of weed because of the color of their skin yeah. and then somebody else making 10 million <laughs> off of that. Like, so I was just like, okay, I, the mission is bigger than just what's at hand. It's more like it's a marathon, mm. you know, but this is what I've trained my whole life for. This is probably what I trained before I came to this planet. You know, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm proud to do. This is what I enjoy doing. Uh, and, and I just look forward to continuing the process. And again, passing that same level of passion and energy and um, work ethic to my son. You know, um, at the end of the day, I just want him to see that, you know, dad works hard so that, not so that he doesn't have to, but so that he can enjoy anything and everything he deserves in life. Just that simple. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's funny listening to fantasy reality driving here this morning. <laughs> I'm again struck by just, I don't know, there, there, is, there, is a, there is a very specific frequency that is very you. So even though there are other artists on that album and there's some incredible vocalists as well, um, yeah, some of the you. women you have on those first few tracks are just thank awesome. You. you know, that, that record really fast, that was with my last, uh, technically my last incarnation of what was the Salvador Santana band mm. when I was performing more of my solo music but with a more of a band, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, just some presentation, mm -hmm. if you will. and. Uh, yeah, Alex Nestor, she was uh, the vocalist, a uh, lady singing on, I think, the, the entire record. Um, and then it was produced by myself and my guitar player at the time, Jared Meeker, uh, and then also my drummer um, at the time, Blake Coley, and uh, myself, Jared, and Blake, all at different times we went to CalArts. Mm. As, again, so it's just, it's that CalArts, San Francisco School of the Arts, California Institute of the Arts down here in LA connection, even though we, I'm in LA and there's what, 8 million people out here. We, we still hang out with the same few, few yeah. people out here. Like it's, it, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think we all are victims or yeah. accused of that. But um, yeah, like that's, that's, that's really what it boils down to for well, me. And it's funny because my favorite song on the album is probably the first one and it's called Be The Change. And you oh, know, yeah. that's, that's really like a manifesto for the way that you're living. Um, yeah, and let's talk about it, be, yeah. be about it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So it's been great to have you here today. Thank you so much for being with us. Before we end our conversation, I'm, yeah. I'm just curious, what's, what's next for you? I mean, I know you have Vaya, I know you have a three-year-old, you're pretty busy, <laughs> and you, you know, you're doing all no, this No, 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 my wife is, my wife Your is wife busy. Is I'm just, right. I just come off the bench, right, I just help right, her right. when I can, man. She is <laughs> the one who holds it down. I wanna put that out there. But what, what, what would you like to, if, if you were able to bring something else in perhaps in the next few years, apart from the success of Via, the work that you already do musically, is there anything else that you would like to kind of see yourself manifest or create in the next five to 10 years? Man, that's a, that's a great question, you know? And I won't hold you to it. No, <laughs> don't worry, I won't call you in five years. No, I'm just it's, curious it's, about it's, the, nice. the visionary in you it's, right it's now. It's not like me talking with if I had, you know, all these financial advisors. How do you project, you know, your blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's not like that. I guess for me, it's uh, continuing what we've been doing, continuing what I've been doing, continuing to create, um, evolve, and not play the same song twice, mm -hmm. keep moving forward, creatively staying positive and, and, and motivated, inspired, uh, because I just love I just love the different responses and how the music that I'm able to express, how it makes me feel, and then seeing the reactions 
and hearing about the reactions from others. So can definitely continue to work on some more solo music, you know, of myself, my projects, um, especially now that I have, I wouldn't say more time, but now that I'm starting to get more into a groove of this continued navigating pandemic <laughs> life yeah. that we're in, what have you. So definitely you can expect some new music from myself, um, you know, some solo stuff that I've been working on, stuff that I've been wanting to release and get off, get off my chest for a while. Um, also, I have my project that I've done with uh, my good homie and brother, mi hermano, amigo, uh, Azdru Sierra, from, lead singer from Ozomatli. Uh, we, got, we got our project together called <laughs> The Remixicans. And, and this, you released, a, I heard, it's a great track. Uh, 2019? Yeah. You put a track out? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I heard that yesterday. It's really uh, cool. Thank you. So that's actually the more recent one that I did. Fantasy Reality was the last solo band thing I did. And then Remixkins is the last project that I did, the collaboration with Azdru. And that was so much fun, man, because we've been talking about doing that for, for years. And then finally, we just, we got together and we just kind of cranked it out in like, Six, well, we had a bunch of songs we were sitting on, and then we just decided to finish those and then write some new ones just to tie it all in together. And, and I'm glad we did, man, because I don't, I don't think it would have, I think it would have turned out differently if we waited to, you know, uh, put it out around the pandemic or just, mm. you know, I'm glad it came out when it did. Uh, and <laughs> funny story, the other uh, few months ago, my dad calls me randomly, just randomly calls me, he says, hey, what is this? And I'm like, what do you mean? What is what? And he just puts this, the phone up to the speaker and I could, all I could hear was static. And, and he's like, is this you? And I'm like, I don't know, dad. All I can hear is static. I can't really hear anything. And he's like, no, I, I went on, I heard this song and it was so cool. And I shazammed it and your face popped up. And I'm like, what, what is it? He says, it's the, he couldn't pronounce, he said Remixkins or something. He couldn't right. say it. And I was like, oh, that's the Remixkins, dad. That's the thing I did with Azure. He's like, that's you guys? I was like, yeah. He's like, man, I love it so much. I'm putting this song on my next album. Fantastic. And so now the remix Kings is is featured on on my dad's uh, current now the album that he just put out. Um, so that's that's a, that's an honor, um, and that's pretty cool that he vibed off of it and really dug it. Um, and he said that was the correct energy he needed for this post pandemic or us where we are now, trying to peek our heads out of this thing um, and just for where he's at and everything. So that was an honor. Um, I like that for some people, Shazam helps them identify, <laughs> identify their children. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, yeah, right? It was just funny too, because he put the phone up and I, I wish I could play you guys what I heard. It was literally like, you might as well just, you know, <laughs> go to like the LA Zoo and have all the animals sing at once yeah. or something. Like that's what I was hearing. I was like, I don't know, I don't know what you're playing me. Brilliant. But that was a, that was a beautiful honor. Um, so more stuff like that, man. For, uh, scoring, Continuing to score for film and television, um, just stretching my muscles and and uh, expanding my web, uh, broadening my portfolio, um, saying yes to as many opportunities as possible from a musical and a creative standpoint. Because because for me, it's like, man, what an honor and a blessing it is to be able to. This is what I get to do for a living, you yeah. know. So there's that, and then with Via, same thing. Just to continue to expand on what we have, I would like to have something, uh, a little something for everybody, mm. you know. And that's who I am musically. That's with my family and that's how they raised me to, you know, just share all the unique qualities that you have, we have, the family has, um, and offer it all as much as you can. And uh, again, relax, believe, and enjoy. So Beautiful. that's where I'm at and that's what I look forward to doing, Beautiful. continuing to do. 
It's been so nice to have you here. Thank you so much thank for you, being Lee. with us, Salvador. Appreciate it. And good Absolutely. luck with everything you're doing. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Many more. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we will put links to Salvador's music, Salvador's website, and via his cannabis company in the show notes. So whether you are watching on YouTube or whether you are listening on Apple Podcasts, check out the show notes for all links. And we will see you next time on Impact the World. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm an intuitive and a channeler, and I've been channeling now for 23 years. And the information and the energy that my guides have underscored my life with throughout those years has been very transformative for me. And for those of you who've followed my work over the past 17 years or so, I know for many of you too. As I was visioning and doing a lot of deep diving this summer, really talking to my guides a lot through the month of August, they gave me the name Initiation as the name for a series of messages that they want to bring. Initiation will begin on October the 27th and every Wednesday live from this studio, I'll be channeling for approximately an hour to 75 minutes. I have asked my dear friend and sound healing collaborator Devor Bozik to create some original music encoded with planetary frequencies, but also frequencies that relate to our body that can run underneath each of the channels. And my guides disease have given us a written message about what initiation will be and what will take place during it. You can find that and all information about this experience on the course page. In between each of the live broadcasts, I will do a special calibration video that helps us at a human level calibrate to and integrate and absorb what each channeled message will be. This is different to anything I've ever done before. I can't wait to bring it to you and neither can my team. If you feel to be with us for initiation or you want to just get a sense of it, please visit the link below this video to learn more and to feel more and to see if it resonates with you. If so, we'd love to have you with us.